Hello, and you are back in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. This is our 37th episode, and today we'll be discussing the use of tragedy to push ideology and calendar gate. So we're going to get right into it with the first topic of using tragedy to push ideology. And the specific tragedy we're talking about is the murder of Brianna Gay. This was a trans-identified male, 16 years old, going to uh, a boarding school, a private school, uh, in England, got stabbed 28 times by um, two teenage um, classmates who were very uh, unwell. And, of course, the fact that this this person, Brianna Gay, identified as trans is, of course, the only reason why this happened. And everyone who isn't completely on board with trans ideology to the umpteenth degree, um, every point that um, isn't being absolutely pushed is the reason why this person, you know, Brianna Gay died. So you had, I think it was like India Wallaby saying, you know, J.K. Rowling and all these other, you know, TERFs, you know, trans-exclusionary rational, radical feminists. TERFs are, is that's the, uh, you know, the ultimate demon uh, if you're trans, right? So all these TERFs are the reason why Brianna Gay died. And the fact that Brianna Gay died very tragically, you know, it was a very very sad event. I, I know I'm being a bit cheesy, but this was a legitimately sad thing. And it seems like this was a person who was mentally unwell, who was victimized by two other very mentally unwell people. And this is uh, a result. This is a lagging indicator of the complete cultural rot and meltdown we have in the entirety of the West. Uh, it's not just the uh, United States. It's basically um, any modern Western nation uh, from Western Europe um, onwards. I'd say Eastern Europe, European uh, countries are doing a little bit better and maintaining some decent cultural cohesion. But the uh, the West um, is definitely compromised in a lot of ways culturally, and the stuff, the fact that stuff like this happens, right? You've got, um, you know, these murders that happen tragically, and then the fact that if um, you know the person falls into one of the um, optimal groups on the progressive stack, um, that's used as a pushing point to push that ideology further, rather than say, hey, someone died quite tragically. Uh, there was obviously a severe mental health crisis, I would say, in all three of these people, and it wasn't being addressed by the adults around them, right? These, these were three kids who were mentally unwell. I'm not saying Rihanna Gay was the one who was at fault for this happening, but these two these two kids were very mentally unwell, completely deranged, decided to take their derangement out on someone else physically with knives, and we are with one less human being uh, on this planet, even if, you know, this person wasn't you know, like like I said, a mentally ill sixteen year old, a sixteen year old boy that thought he was a girl and was you know gassed up by everyone around him that he actually was because that's the in thing to do right now. Still a human being, still someone's whose um death should not have happened, and it's still a very tragic thing. And the fact that you have gender ideologues who are using this person's death to um, push their ideology and to shame and denigrate um, their ideological enemies is a really bad thing. So I, I just do not like the fact that when these sorts of things happen, it's not about, hey, you know, we, we've lost human potential. We, we don't have someone with us anymore. There's a family that's broken permanently um, in, in, a, in a permanent way. That's not the primary the thing. The primary thing is, well, I how who can I go on to online and, and shame and blame um, this death on rather than the people who did it? And that's the disgusting thing. And that's the message I want want to take away because the fact that Brianna Gay died, um, you know, and the, the the fact that you know Brianna Gay's death was used to push 
um, ideology is not um, a unique thing. It's not the first time it's happened, and it certainly won't be the last. So it's definitely something you ought to look out for um, as a trend when any tragedy sort of, when any tragedy happens, whether it's a natural disaster being used to push um, the fact that climate change is happening, or um, of course any mass shooting being used to push gun control. That's a very common thing. So of course tragedy will be used to push political ideology and. Uh, it's the most fervent ideologues that will do this the most and to the most disgusting degree. And this is, you know, right or left. Basically, anyone who's completely sold themselves out to their ideology will do anything to um, push it or make it seem like it has the most amount of moral capital. I've talked about moral capital before. It's a very important concept. I forget what podcast episode I talked about the concept of moral capital. But if you search on my Substack for moral capital, you will find it. Um, but it's just a very much part of using tragedy to increase your moral capital is a very good thing saying like hey well this tragedy happened this tragedy wouldn't have happened if you all were on board with gender ideology if you were all on board with gun control or you were all on board with um everyone driving electric cars and eating you know cricket flour or or whatever the hell um is trying to be pushed um this day if you aren't pushing it and something bad happens then it's your fault and that's going to be the case with anything and it goes really past the line that I don't like when people die and then you're using their deaths as uh, basically um, talking points to push your ideology. That is the disgusting thing, and I, I don't like it. So the primary thing, the takeaway, is that you had a tragic event happen, and that's the uh, that's the primary thing. And then it's and then you think, well, why do these sorts of things happen, right? And then what can we do to create a culture where these things happen? Um, as little as possible, rather than trying to blame everyone you disagree with ideologically. Um, I think that's all I've got for that topic. And next, we're going on to Calendar Gate. So I didn't want to talk about this originally, but I think I'll give my take on this. And I think this is more culturally relevant thing to talk about than I was going to talk about Trump getting pushed off the ballot. But I, I don't really think that's, I don't know, that's just more like, um, Trump derangement syndrome end stage, which is just going to keep happening into 24. I, I think that's a very basic thing. But let's actually talk about the topic in this podcast, Calendar Gate. So you had, um, I think it's Ultra Right Beer Company pop up around the time the Bud Light thing happened. So Dylan Mulvaney gets sponsored by Bud Light. Everyone starts boycotting Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch by extension. Ultra Right Beer pops up to sell um, right-wing conservative beer. And part of, you know, their brand, building their brand, is doing this calendar featuring the most beautiful conservative women of America. So you've got Riley Gaines, and then she's featured pretty prominently. You've got another one. I believe her name is Josie. She goes by the red-headed libertarian. And then she is definitely the most prominent one on this calendar. And she was, I'd probably say, the least scantily clad in that one. I'd say it's not even that bad in terms of the amount of skin shown. I mean, Riley Gaines is in a bikini, and that's a little bit racy. But, you know, we live in a very sexualized society today. So that's hardly the most TNA thing you'll you'll see these days, right? But the idea of this was, you know, make a calendar, like a classic pinup girl calendar, something you'd get, you know, back in uh, ye olden times when it was uh, okay to ogle at attractive women, or at least a bit more socially acceptable. Uh, it did quite well, I, 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 I guess. Um, it sold a lot, but a lot of people got up in arms about it. Uh, Bryson Gray 
Gray called it demonic, right? That that was his uh, thing because, you know, it causes men to lust after women and, and being lustful is uh, signs of the demon or is a demonic thing. So um, am I going to go out and say this is demonic, this is a bad thing? Not necessarily, but I, do I think this is something that um, is like a, a good positive thing? Not really. I think the whole ultra-right beer brand is really stupid. I don't think anyone should drink beer, especially if you're a man. Hops are very um, estrogenic. So if you're drinking um, beer, it's empty calories, it's estrogenic, so it's going to mess with your hormones. So some of the alcohol is just a literal poison, so it's bad for your liver. So consuming beer, even if it's um, beer pushing a message that you ideologically agree with, right? If you're a conservative, you're right-wing, and you think, like, well, Bud Light shit, I'll just drink um, ultra-right beer, and I'm, I'm winning— I guess, you know, there's a cultural win to that, but you're not doing your body any good if you're consuming alcohol. So I, I don't support um, a beer brand on that basis. And I'm not a conservative. I'm, I'm a libertarian. I think anyone who's a libertarian isn't necessarily going to identify with um, conservatives. So I'm, I'm a bit surprised that someone who calls themselves a libertarian would be associating themselves with a conservative um, branded thing. But that is just me. Of course, everyone's um, entitled to do their own thing. And I think... Josie's picture, like I said, is the least scantily clad, the least offending. The thing is that she's, you know, associating herself with, like, the, you know, Riley Gaines in the bikini, the other girls wearing halter tops and short shorts and all those sorts of things, and she's, you know, signing off and saying that's okay, and Bryson Gray and other people disagree with it. I do not think this is the most um, productive thing in terms of winning the culture war, going after what ultra-right beer is doing, because they're not the ones who are, they don't have the most foothold in it. Now, of course, you have this consistent, um, you know, moral, you know, um, code where you say, you know, being lustful is incorrect, right? Uh, and that applies to anyone who's committing committing acts of lust or trying to, you know, do things that would make men lust after you or lust after women in general, I suppose. But like I said, it's about picking your battles. It's about being as productive as possible with um, the amount of capital you have, that being, you know, time, resources, you know, whatever it is, um, using those resources and directing them at taking down um, the people culturally who need to be taken down a notch. And those are people who I'd say exclusively are left-leaning, the, uh, the gender ideologues, the, um, you know, pedophilic communists um, that have invested every major institution, not necessarily some conservative beer company that did a calendar that would appeal to um, heterosexual men who uh, used to drink Bud Light. I do not think that's the most productive thing. And again, is it a calendar that I would I personally buy? Would I personally endorse it? No, I wouldn't. I, I do think it's a bit. Uh, I think it's a bit stupid, but I, I don't think it's any better or worse than a typical pinup girl calendar. And I think that's what they were going for, and I think that's what they achieved, and I think it appeals to a lot of people. So I'd say it's culturally effective in that sense. And of course, being a complete freaking prude is never going to do you any good, especially in today's society. Uh, so you, you've got this, you know, balancing act you need to play between pure sexual repression and like a complete lack of inhibition sexually. Where if you go to one side, you're going to engage in toxic hookup culture and, you know, treat sex as purely transactional. On the other side, you're just going to uh, have people think very negatively and awfully about sex, and then you'll just lead into repressing your sexual desires, and then they express themselves in very toxic, dark, twisted ways that um, shouldn't have ever happened if you were able to get them out in a healthy, um, in a healthy, productive way or constructive way. Uh, so that, that's my 
basic take on this. And I think this is really showing there's a lot of divide between um, rights and, and conservatives, people who say that they're conservatives. There are more sex-positive conservatives. There are more sex-negative conservatives. You've got the neocons, and you've got um, the, uh, the the boomer cons, all these sorts of... You know, I forget exactly how um, the whole conservative movement breaks down, but you've definitely got a huge... Um, swath of people who call themselves conservatives but think about the world very differently and this is why Calendergate happened and why it involved um, the Bryson Grays of the world versus the uh, the Josies and the uh, Riley Gaines and whoever was for that side of the uh, calendar so you definitely have uh, sex positive feminism sex negative feminism you know left-leaning um, women who have a very positive or very negative view of sex and that I would say extends out to um, right-leaning conservative people as well. So that is definitely an axis that operates independently of the right or left. And a lot of these things operate independently of the right and left. They just call it like being right-leaning. So like individualism, collectivism, that's its own political activist. And anyone who's an individualist is right-wing. Anyone who's a collectivist is left-wing. That's the basic overhead view of it so right and left does really comp well not complicates but it it tries to simplify and remove nuance from the complexities of human interaction and that's what a lot of things in uh that's a lot of things in society these days where we we strip things of nuance everything's got to be black and white uh good or bad um you know right or wrong right or left right uh instead of realizing that there are billions of shades of gray and you've got to sit down and you've got to organize through them all and i think this is where you have to go in with calendar gate realize that you know we live in a very different society than biblical um christian times or even 50 years ago and you need to act accordingly and i do think the ultra right beer people were acting accordingly in terms of making this calendar it was an effective tool like i said I think the calendar is tacky. Well, I, I, I'll say this. I think the calendar is tacky. I don't think you should drink beer, even if the uh, political values align with yours, because beer is bad for you. All alcohol is bad for you. But hey, everyone has their vices. But if you can limit the amount of alcohol you drink or cut it out altogether, then I would highly recommend that, which is why I, I really don't support um, ultra-right beer on that basis. Uh, and like I said, I think the calendar is just a bit... Uh, tacky. If uh, if I am going to get a pinup girl calendar, it's going to be anime girls because those are the best girls, right? <laughs> a little bit of a joke, but I think I will end it there. I hope you enjoyed this one, uh, and we're going to the outro now. Thank you for being in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. Be sure to follow my Substack, velvetroompublishing.substack.com, to read Machine to Man and all my other projects.